welcome to Sidebar, Don't Judge Me's mini episodes. I am Bailey Mehta and joined here today by the one, the only Joe Fabish. Hey, thank you. You did such a better job introing than <laughs> I did on our last podcast. That's great. We're I always a good start. It's okay. We always we always blank on blank on the intros and. Uh, <laughs> And I do mean the one, the only Joe, because <laughs> the rest of our team is out. I, there's um, everyone's coming down with something. It's not necessarily COVID, right? I guess tis the season for the flu cooties. Yeah, it is. Yeah, although yeah. it's it's good that it's more of the usual stuff. It's you know, I suppose the, the right? colds and the flus. We can handle that, right? Oh man, I guess so. So we lost Miss Laura Temi today, but uh, but we're here with you um, doing a slightly more serious sidebar because it's important because it's not just flu season, folks. It's voting season, right? If you didn't know it from the. 8 million advertisements you've probably seen just today. Oh my gosh. Uh, or text messages. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. Yeah. Every time I get excited that I'm actually popular and someone <laughs> wants to text me, I find out that it's a dem or Republic people from all specter, like all parts of the spectrum. Oh yeah. And often they think it's like, they address me as my mother's name, my brother's name. I'm just like, at least get my name right if you're going to try to convince <laughs> me to vote for you. At least try. <laughs> I mean, I've been Mr. Joe a time or two. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's it's funny. But. Yes, I've been I've been Mr. Vavahee a time Have or you, two. Yeah, so, yeah sure. Yeah. But all that is to say, as annoying as these voting ads are, it's still important to practice your civic duty and... constitutional right, maybe? Right to vote, kind of? (laughs) Theoretically? Let's get into it, yeah. Let's get into it. Do we have a right to vote, Joe? I I feel like that's the idea, considering um, I I was not born in the United States, and so when I went for my citizenship stuff, one of the citizenship questions that you have to practice for your interview is, what's the most important right? And the answer is supposed to be, the right to vote. What's the most important right a citizen gets? Yeah. And then ironically, you know, I don't know if you believe in voter disenfranchisement. I know it's a contentious issue if it's targeted at any specific people, but let's just say the right to vote is there in theory, but not always in practice. Yeah, we've we've had a lot of history in this country and in our democracy with voting rights both given and taken away. And I think you've got some information for us that you can maybe go through about some of the history of voting rights in the U.S. Well, I mean, where are most rights that we have found, right? You might think the Constitution, that would be an obvious place to start. Well, and this shouldn't be surprising for people, the original Constitution didn't give everyone the right to vote. And in fact, it didn't even talk about the right to vote for anyone. The only place that the OG Constitution mentioned voting was in Article in Article 1, Section 4. They talk about time, place, manner, right? They say that the states can regulate the time, place, manner of holding elections. And Congress can make a law to regulate it if it chooses to, but that's basically it, right? Mm-hmm. It's talking about how, like how elections and, and, and polling is held. It's not talking about the right to vote for anyone. So the power to decide the right to vote was originally and for a long time left to the states. And the upshot of this being, of course, that there was a lot of variability across the country on who could vote depending on what state you were in. 
And the other consequence of this is that regulating voting became cemented as a state's right issue. And of course, this isn't unique to voting. It's just one of many issues that have since the dawn of our country been pulled into the federalism battle, the competing interests of individual states to govern themselves versus a unified national government. And this could be a part of the reason why regulating voting is a, is a partisan issue between Dems and Republicans. I don't know what you think, Joe. I guess if we're generous and if we give politicians credit to stick to their ideological guns, you could point to the fact that generally more politically conservative people these days lean into states' rights and don't like the federal government telling them what to do. So, Yeah, I don't know about politics, but I can yeah. certainly, I mean, yeah, just because I'm you know, I'm not a political wonk, but I I do follow this. Andy, Supreme where Court. are you? Where you yeah, need yeah, you? Yeah, we do need him. <laughs> um, but I can talk a little bit, you know, about the Supreme Court because mm-hmm. I, that certainly is Justice Roberts' position, the Chief Justice. Uh, he tends to be very hesitant when the federal government is saying voting rights, uh, but he's quite lenient when it comes to states deciding yep. their own election laws. So there's certainly a strain of judicial conservatism that I think you're capturing pretty well right there. Yeah. And and of course, the Supreme Court matters so much because, as I said, there's very little in the constitutional text, at least the original constitution, even, even the amended constitution to protect uh explicitly to protect the right to vote. And so a lot of it has been up to judicial interpretation. That's why the Supreme Court sort of makes or breaks a lot of voter disenfranchisement cases, as we've seen. Absolutely. But either way, the consequences of the fact that our constitutional history has left so much up to the states is evident to this day. You'll see many disparities from state to state regarding how voting takes place. So polling places in different states have like different hours, early voting rules are different, voter ID requirements are different, uh, different rules about if felons can vote. Um, And it's bad enough when things are different from state to state. Uh, I say bad enough. Some people, some people, well, some people will be like, no, states need different rules because they have different demographics and it, Mm -hmm. it has to be tailored to the needs of different states. Okay, but if the upshot is that people are citizens of different states are treated differently and have different rights, even though we're all United States citizens, then it becomes, you know, an equal protection issue, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I mean when I say it's bad enough when things are different from state to state. Uh, But even more so, it's more granular than that because there are actually different rules county by county within states too, or different rules governing different types of elections. Um, So one big one in the past few years, of course, especially with COVID, has been the disparities in voting by mail or absentee voting. So some states will, for example, allow counties to opt in to certain policies like voting by mail. So then you can, how you can vote ends up really depending on where you live, not just which state you're voting in. So in the 2020 election, For example, four states, including Nevada, Vermont, Utah, and finally, and very importantly, California, adopted this idea of universal mail-in ballots um, that a lot of states had sort of been resistant to. And COVID, of course, understandably pushed because people didn't want to go in person, right? Right. And the idea of universal mail-in ballots is giving the option of voting via mail, even though you could still vote in person if you wanted to. 
And that latter part is a big deal, of course, because if you only did mail-in ballots, uh, which is, you know, what some people think you should do, that would disenfranchise unhoused people or people who move around a lot like I do. Uh, I'm going to tell you now, I've had the worst headache trying to get my absentee ballot this year because a combination of proof of residency requirements and voter ID requirements like Georgia, where I'm registered, it's always been a holdout for EC voting processes, including absentee or vote by mail. So it either requires you to show a Georgia driver's license, which, you know, plenty of people don't have a driver's license. Many people don't drive. Mine happens to be from Washington because I bought my car in Washington and they had their own rules that I could only register my car there if I changed my Georgia driver's license to Washington. So conflicting state requirements will butt heads. So there's sometimes that, or you have to shoot show proof of residency in the form of like a utilities bill. And what about the people that don't pay utilities or they live with family or pay rent under the table, right? A lot of folks move back in with their families in COVID. Um, A lot of college students are moving back in with their families because of student debt and and not being able to have jobs. So in, especially in the post COVID world where there are a lot more people working remotely and have started to be a little bit more nomadic like me, maybe like it gets really hard to vote sometimes. Yeah, and I do want to quick put in a plug because if you, dear listener, have not figured it out yet, uh, <laughs> voting laws can be very complicated. So if you're wondering about voting requirements for your particular county, for your state, uh, you can go to finelaw.com backslash voting. We have comprehensive articles on mail-in ballots, on state laws regarding voting so it's too much to cover in one podcast Mm -hmm. but but we try to make it easy on you there's lots of other resources out there for you to figure out how the best way to vote for you is and what you need to bring to the poll or to get a mail-in ballot Mm -hmm. so we definitely try to make it as easy as possible and if you don't want to come to us go to someplace else because we definitely uh, want you to vote if you're interested in voting Yep, we'll put that in the show notes. Some some great resources from Fine Law, courtesy of Joe and his team. Um, <laughs> we we got like we said the original Constitution saying basically nothing about the right to vote, but of course we know that's changed, right? We we're not living to this day, thank God, with the original Constitution. Um, most obviously in the form of the many amendments that do talk about voting. That's where we where we see the language. So, Fifteenth Amendment is probably the most famous one. 1870, in the aftermath of the Civil War, this amendment, of course, prohibits the government from denying citizens the right to vote based on race. At the time, of course, it was directed uh, at former slaves, but since has been applied to people of all and any color. And then, of course, you have other you have the famous 19th Amendment, um, much later in 1919, which was responsive to the women's suffrage movement and provided the right to vote regardless of gender. A few other notable mentions are the 23rd Amendment, which gives D.C. citizens the right to vote (laughs) about time. The 24th Amendment, which prohibits poll taxes. We'll get a little bit more into what poll taxes are later. And the 26th Amendment, which lowered the voting age to 18. I think it was like 21 in some states. I know in Georgia it was 21 for a minute. Um, And so... 
going back to poll taxes, which are very much legal, uh, they were a hot button issue for a long time in our country's history. Uh, and I will just bring up a famous or infamous case called Breedlove. Breedlove uh, has fortunately since been overturned, but it originally upheld poll taxes, which, sorry, I didn't even define. Hopefully yeah. poll taxes are what they sound like. Like, <laughs> that, Yeah, I think they are pretty self-explanatory, <laughs> okay. but yeah, go ahead. Let's. Well, let's like I, they come in different forms, I think. I mean, we don't see them now, I hope. Mm-hmm. So I think historically they've been like either a direct or indirect way of charging people. In Breedlove's case, it was sort of an indirect way of charging people. So let's, so the facts of Breedlove, I'll just explain sure. uh, to you. Um, so originally Breedlove, upheld poll taxes, a Supreme Court case upholding them. And I think this was actually a really interesting case because it's not what you'd think. It wasn't a direct poll tax. It wasn't like on election day, oh, you want to vote? Okay, we're going to charge you a dollar because at that time, apparently a dollar was a lot, uh, which is- I'm which sure is it they, was, yeah. It was. Okay, so again, Breedlove involves my state, Georgia. Hello. Uh, they gave a sort of blanket tax, not- not directly related to polls, but they Georgia tried to tax all of its citizens $1, which who knows what that was. Maybe it was $100 back in the day. I don't know. It was more than, it was, it was significant, I guess. What, what uh, year was it? That was in 1937 is when it was decided. So right in the middle or at the tail end of the Great Depression. So yeah, oh, yeah. I, I so bet I guess a dollar was quite a bit. Yeah. A dollar went a long way. And mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, Georgia just tried to tax everybody a dollar and if you didn't pay this tax, then you couldn't register to vote. So in that way, it was indirect. But it exempted people under or over a certain age, like under 21, over 60, uh, from this tax. And it exempted females. And this was after the 19th Amendment. And remember, the 19th Amendment is the right to vote regardless of sex. It was, it was after the 19th Amendment had passed, so women could obviously vote. So Nolan Breedlove, who was a white male, sued under both the 14th Amendment's in the Equal Protection Clause and the Privileges and Immunities Clause, uh, you'll see a lot of voting rights cases decided under the Equal Protection Clause under the 14th Amendment, mm-hmm. um, and also under the 19th Amendment, and argued, Breedlove argued that it wasn't fair that basically only males between 21 and 60 had to pay a poll tax. And the Supreme Court upheld that tax on the grounds that differences between men and women needed to be accounted for, and quote, women may be exempted on the basis of special considerations to which they are naturally entitled in view of burdens necessarily borne by them for the preservation of the race. And there they mean the, yeah. th- there they mean sex, not race. <laughs> the, the fair. Well, yeah. Race. I mean, yeah. what they're saying is basically cause you know, uh, women yeah. need to be in the home and taking care of babies to preserve the human yeah. species. And so that's kind of what they're getting at. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and which really flies in the face of equal protection on the basis of sex. But again, equal protection on the basis of sex, I think hadn't been established then. We have the 19th Amendment, but that's not equality for women. It's just the right to vote for women. Yeah. And so, yeah. So this was this was obviously an issue and was addressed through the 24th Amendment, which was adopted in 1964, which was, which outlawed the poll tax in federal elections. But that was only for federal elections, which was the case in Breedlove and what the 24th Amendment addressed. So the 24th Amendment did not speak to the question of state elections. 
which was the question involved in the case that overturned Breedlove, the Harper case. So the issue of state elections using poll taxes was addressed by a case called Harper v. Virginia State Board of Elections. And again, that overturned Breedlove, thank God. So that's why we don't have poll taxes anymore. So in that case, Harper, uh, who was a female, but not really relevant actually, Harper brought this suit on behalf of herself and other poor residents of Virginia. And the state of Virginia required a poll tax for state elections. So the Supreme Court was kind of divided on this. I think it was 6-3. Ultimately ruled in favor of Harper. So they said that, quote, a state violates the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment whenever it makes the affluence of the voter or payment of any fee an electoral standard. Voter qualifications have no relation to wealth, unquote. So huge move because from Mm. the get-go, not only has the right, quote-unquote, to vote been an issue of race and sort of class, like a sort of gender and sex, but also class and largely like land ownership, right? It was originally given to land-owning white males. So well, and you're just bringing up one of what could be numerous examples. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some states tried to implement questionnaires that you had to complete. The face value of that was to make sure that it was an informed citizenry yep. who was voting. But of course, uh, when you walked into the polling place, uh, it was up to the guy there to give you the questions and determine whether you passed or failed. And there is some pretty obvious issues with corruption, uh, not to mention it's not a great idea to begin with. Um, So, you know, ultimately, there's been a lot of ways in which certain population groups, whether they're poor, whether they're not landowning, whether they're black, whether they're Mm -hmm. women. um, So we've had a long history and it's it's a really fascinating topic historically, uh, just to see all of the various things that states have done. And a lot of it, I mean, the the buck stopped with some of these constitutional amendments. And since then, like I said, it's been a combination of the Supreme Court interpreting things because it's not that easy to amend the Constitution, obviously. Or it's been a lot of federal legislation. Um, For example, the Enforcement Acts were what gave the federal government the power to enforce the constitutional provisions, right? Or notably the Voting Rights Act, which was in 1965 after the Civil Rights Act. Um, President Johnson basically urged Congress to pass this law in order to overcome what was continued resistance in the South, unsurprisingly, to broad voting rights, right? Just because we have these amendments and the Enforcement Acts where the federal government could enforce the uh, amendments doesn't mean that people were, people mean governments, doesn't mean that governments were actually complying, right? So they had a number of federal legislation was passed, including, like I said, the Voting Rights Act. And the Voting Rights Act provided extra protections on more bases. For example, literacy. So uh, Voting Rights Act provides that a person can't be denied the right to vote using literacy tests. And now we have protections against discrimination on language, uh, sexual orientation, religion, disability, national origin. But that's from a combination of federal legislation. And again, that's going to fly in the face of people who want states, right? Or, you know, federalists who want states to be able to decide 
issues like voting and who can and can't vote and how time, place, manner restrictions do. Because even if you only allow the states to regulate time, place, and manner, which is part of the Constitution, if states are doing so much as, you know, let's have our voting day on Tuesday, even though every other country has it on like a Sunday or gets a national holiday to vote, it's going to disenfranchise people who are working more nine to five jobs and can't easily get out. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, there's so many things to talk about with, with voting. Um, But some of these issues are still very much with us. And I know this is very meta, but one of the main hot button issues in this midterm election is voting rights. Right, Joe? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to go through a summary of every state because I could do that because almost every state has introduced legislation in some form. You know, some have gone farther than others. Some have just been introduced without any real drive behind them. Uh, Yeah, literally hundreds of bills have been introduced in state legislatures, uh, usually by passing more restrictive voting measures. Kind of the, the buzzword for this is election interference. That's generally the term given to making sure that only people who are eligible to vote can vote. So these are some of the things you were talking about before, Vadihi, with early voting, drop boxes, mail-in voting, voting without a photo ID. We do have to note that there have been uh, no convincing cases regarding voter fraud in the U.S. There, It's never been shown that voting fraud has occurred in a widespread manner. Instances of voting fraud occur in every election. Um, you know, going back to our founding, but it's usually smaller examples. You know, we don't want to get too far down this political rabbit hole. Um, but, you know, it, it it is fair to say that it is a partisan issue. Um, you know, Republican legislators are more interested in passing uh, election integrity bills, and then Democrats generally target expanding access to voting by trying to make mail-in voting easier. So, you know, depending on your view of the current state of our electoral process, whether you think it's, uh, think widespread fraud occurs or not, probably will play a big role in how you view the upcoming election. There isn't a ton happening at the federal level. The House did pass a bill in early September about refuting the vice president's ability to unilaterally declare state election results invalid. And this is, you know, what Trump asked then Vice President Mike Pence to do after the election, the 2020 election. But that that has not become law and it's not clear that that's going to become law. So there's not so much happening at the federal level, but there is a ton happening at the state and local Which is levels. why midterms are so important, even yeah. though people, you know, of course, presidential elections get all the buzz, but people don't often pay attention to midterms, often don't turn up in midterms, but that is where local election laws that may or may not disenfranchise you are going to be set, right? Whoever is the incumbent which is who was elected at the midterms are going to set future election laws that mm-hmm. will infringe or expand your right to vote. And so in, in 2018, fun personal anecdote, in 2018, I was denied my absentee ballot thrice 
I applied for it three times and it was denied mm. on grounds like signature, not a match, even though I think I know my own signature or like, you know, the, the, the 2018 in Georgia specifically was a broad, there was a lot of national coverage on voter disenfranchisement specifically for people with ethnic sounding names or people of color. Um, whether or not you believe in that, I am just saying that my absentee ballot was denied three times. And when it was finally approved, I never got it in the mail. So, um, yeah. So Since you were then, you were actually denied for not mm-hmm. having a signature match. Uh, really. Twice for not having a signature match, and once for like, oh, I don't even know. It was something ridiculous. I can't even remember what the, what the other third reason was. And then the fourth time, it was approved and allegedly sent out to my Michigan address where I was at law school. Uh, I didn't re-register in Michigan because I was there temporarily in law school. And I never got it in the mail because there is no accountability for when people send out absentee ballots. There's no tracking number. If they say they send it out and you don't get it, there is nothing you can do about it. And yeah, I was contacted by the ACLU. It was like a whole thing. (laughs) Georgia was particularly notorious in 2018. So that's why Georgia election is very important again this year. But any election is very important. Any midterm Mm -hmm. election is particularly important for those who are concerned about preserving their voting rights in the future. So get out there, folks. for listening to Sidebar from Fine Laws Don't Judge Me. We'll be releasing these every other week between our full-length episodes. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if there's a topic you'd like to hear us cover, send us an email at finelawpodcast at thompsonreuters.com.